Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... I wonder how many times when they were in jail, when they were beaten, when their families were threatened, they had to say, remember God, you said you'd be with me. What a great way to live. What a great way to think, to remember I am never, ever alone. That because I'm a believer, the Spirit of God lives in me, fact. Because I'm a believer, that the Lord is always with me, fact. And all I have to do is remember it and walk in it. When you find yourself at a place of difficulty, what is your response? Pastor Jim asks each of us this question in today's message. He also gives us a look at a response that is surprising, yet very useful. Those who are Christians and who are truly relying on God to get them through everyday life can hold tight to that in times of trouble. God has promised to stand by those who trust Him and to support them in any way possible. Knowing that, all we have to do is keep going. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Presence. If I said to the average Christian that God is good, they would say, amen. And then if I said, life is not fair, they would say double amen. (laughs) But friends, don't confuse the two. Don't confuse the goodness of God with the wretchedness at times of a sinful world. Because if you do, when things go wrong, you will fall into the deep abyss of worry. You will wake up on a Sunday morning and want nothing more than to sleep instead of going to hear the word of God and getting to worship with the Lord instead of being built up and building up other Christian brothers and sisters. We said again, This is not some flaky thing. This is a determination to trust in the Lord when I have absolutely no idea what the future will bring. None. I'm afraid. I'm worried. I don't know what's going to happen. And I say this to the Lord. I don't know, but you do. I don't know who holds tomorrow, but I know you hold it. And I am going to rejoice in you and I am going to love people, and I am going to serve people because you told me to. Maybe, just maybe, friends, we have to actually start believing what we sing. Maybe, just maybe, we have to start believing what we read. Maybe, just maybe, we have to start believing in what we tell our unbelieving friends about our faith. Do you ever have that happen to you? You're telling somebody who doesn't believe about Christianity, and all of a sudden you hear God going, that's good, you should believe that. (laughs) Happens to me all the time when I do marriage counseling. I say something to a couple, particularly to a man, I go, oh, you know, brother, oh, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord's like, you should do that too. (laughs) What What would God do with people like that? Think about it. 
What would God do with a group of people who said, Lord, we're going to trust you so much that we're going to live the way that you said and we're going to trust that our feelings are going to follow. You see, as Americans, we are trained to live this way. We feel a certain way and we do something. That's not the Bible's way. The Bible's way is do something and your feelings will follow. You're in a marriage that's not going well. Friends, be loving. Be loving. Think loving thoughts. And guess what will follow? Your feelings. Your feelings will follow. But so often we're just waiting to feel a certain way. Everything is run by the way we feel. Any of you ever make any bad decisions based on your feelings? All right, any of you make any good decisions based on your feelings, okay? They're just not reliable. And more than anyone else, God's people should be known for rejoicing always. We have more hope in this life than anyone because we have the hope of the next life. God's people should have a reputation for being generous, for being gracious, for being loving. And again, don't miss the connections. We're breaking it up in verses, but it goes through all of this one thing that he's bringing together here. There's a connection that the rejoicing life, the inward life, the serving life, the outward life is uniquely and intimately tied into what we'll talk about next week, the praying life. The Christian life is inward, outward, and upward. And here, in the midst of the context of Philippians 4, he told us the context is petty disagreements. He's telling them, don't be anxious in your church for petty disagreements that go on. No, just rejoice in the Lord. No, be gentle with one another. There's no place for petty disagreements in a gospel-centered, Bible-believing church. None. None. In other words, we above all people, unless it disagrees with the word of God, must be flexible with the preferences of others. We all have 10 opinions on everything. Multiply that by the number of the people in the room, that is a lot of opinions. And we can only pick one. That's exciting, right? That's why it's better to hire somebody to do it. (laughs) Now, from the command in this verse, we move to a motivation. And this is one of the things I really, really love about the Bible. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, when it, when it, when it, it tells us to uh, put off certain things. You got some things in your life that are not going well, that you're not doing right. The Bible says, uh, you know, put this off, right? And, and, and put this on. My own life, I had such a drug and alcohol problem. And I tried so many times to stop. But when it was put off and love came to town, it didn't matter so much anymore. But not only does God talk about putting on and putting off, the Bible gives us wonderful motivations for its outlandish commands. See, you say, well, okay, I got to be nice to people. I got it. Let's go. I want a cup of coffee. I'm done. But there's no motivation there other than God said it, do it. But God doesn't treat his children like that. 
And look at the motivation he gives us right here in this verse. He says, command, let your gentleness be known to all men. That's a command, not optional. And the motivation, the Lord is at hand. That's the motivation for gentleness, for sweet reasonableness, for forbearance, for not having to have our own way. Because the Lord is at hand. Now, scholars debate, right? Is this the second coming, right? Or the nearness, as they like to put it, or the daily presence of the Lord that only a committed follower of Jesus Christ, only someone who's trusted in Jesus Christ can experience. So whenever great scholars argue two points very well, so is it the second coming or is it that God's with us right now, which is it? I just go, yes. I'm not gonna get myself into the argument of which it is. I'm just gonna accept that why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't it be both? So let's start with the second coming. If the, which he talked about in chapter three, if the Lord Jesus Christ returned today, today, ask yourself this, would you like him to find in you a worrier or a worshiper? Which would you prefer he finds? Would you prefer he finds us living a life of constant fear and worry and anxiety or living a life, even with hard times, of great hope, of great anticipation, living in the presence of God. Again, not forgetting our responsibilities, but a matter of the will that says, Lord, even though I'm confused, I'm gonna keep trusting in you. I know that most of the people in this room want to be doing the Lord's will when he shows. I know that most of the people in this room want to be thinking the Lord's way when he returns. I know that most of us want to be speaking as the Lord would have us speaking when he returns. I mean, who in the world wants to be caught with their hand in the cookie jar, really? I don't know how it works in your house. It kind of works like this. My wife's cooking a good dinner and all of a sudden she hears like, like the potato chip bag or the crackers or something like that. And I hear, what are you eating? <laughs> and she's like, I'm making a wonderful meal. What do you want to ruin it for eating now? Isn't that what we want? We don't want to be caught doing the wrong things by the Lord. We want to be found doing the right things. And oh, how I think the Lord will rejoice when he returns and finds his people rejoicing. How the Lord will rejoice when he finds his people, comes back and finds his people contently living for him and like him. And the Bible teaches life is but a breath. Young people, if you don't believe how fast it goes, ask the older people. And the older you get, it goes into hyperdrive. Notice I didn't say ask me. I didn't, no, not. The Lord is coming. Let's be concerned about the things we need to be concerned about, guys. But let's not worry more than we have to. Because the Lord is at hand. Well, if the second coming doesn't motivate you, how about the simple fact that the Lord is here and the Lord is near? just to simply know that the presence of the Lord is a reality in every Christian's life. I know of nothing more that has the power to change me than to fill me with love than the presence of the Lord. 
Do you know that the presence of the Lord, you can practice it daily through prayer and the word of God. And you know what the presence of the Lord does to worry and fear? It slays it, doesn't it? It kills it. And if that has and that does make a difference in your life, you can be confident that as you share it with others, it will make a difference in their lives too. Because they will see someone who is very, very different. Not because there's some crazy, kooky Christian, but because they've been touched by the Lord. But if we walk around in our life always assuming the worst, and some of us are guilty of that, right? If we walk around always projecting the worst, we are denying the presence of the Lord in our lives. We're denying the power of the Lord in our lives. And that is essentially unbelief. That is being an unbelieving believer. Walking around as if God has made no difference in the world or in my own life. Yet rejoicing in the Lord, determined I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Walking in the joyful presence of the Lord, I'm going to determine that I'm going to walk in his presence will be able to bless others and you will see it will calm your anxiety. Maybe not 100% at the beginning. My goodness, I am so thankful that the Lord is not as hard on us as so many of us are on ourselves. Friends, as you grow in your ability to biblically deal with what's in your mind and that takes time and training. You can't show up to church once a month and expect it to work. As you biblically grow in your ability to deal with what's in your mind, you will find it is much easier to manage with worry and anxiety. You will be less prone to give up in the Christian life. You will be less prone to give in to your sinful desires as the presence of the Lord motivates you to pursue him. Neil and I have been talking lately about Jesus words in Matthew 28, what's known as the Great Commission. Jesus is ready to ascend into heaven. He, he looks out at his posse. He says to his apostles, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, some of your versions say obey, all the things that I have commanded you. You can't do that if you don't teach the Bible. And lo, here's the motivation, the commandment. I want you to go tell people who have no interest in me all about me. And I want you to tell the people who finally do come to me, guess what? You're not living the way God wants you to live. Here's how you have to live. With God's help, through God's spirit, but this is what needs to change. And what's the motivation? Look what he says here. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I wonder how many times when they were in jail, when they were beaten, when their families were threatened, they had to say, remember God, you said you'd be with me. What a great way to live. What a great way to think, to remember I am never ever alone. That because I'm a believer, the spirit of God lives in me, fact. Because I'm a believer, that the Lord is always with me, fact. And all I have to do is remember it 
and walk in it. To my Christian friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is here with us through his Holy Spirit. And he'll be with you each day, this week, and next week. And that alone is reason enough to rejoice that we are not alone. And as you enjoy his presence, as you change your thinking, as you reframe your circumstances in light of the Lord, you will begin to live like what we already saw in chapter 3, a citizen of heaven, as a child of God, whose someone's name, there is a registration for you already there in heaven. Your booking is already in the computer. And here's the interesting thing. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. As you submit yourself to the Lord's process, the Lord will change you and how often you will be unaware of it. But people will begin to tell you, hey, mom, I noticed you don't yell as much as you did. Hey, dad, I, I see you're really changing. I notice you're on time for work now. I notice your head's more in the game. Man, you seem a lot more generous than you used to be. And you get in your car and you rejoice in the Lord always. And then you keep it up. You keep doing it. That's how the Apostle Paul was able to live in a life that seemed completely awful. And he moves us all the way. We'll get there one of these years to chapter 4 verse 13. To be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he's with me. He's with me. And that's how I can do it. Now you might want to know, you might be asking, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, it's actually, whether you're a Christian or not, it's actually right here. And if you're not a Christian, I sure hope in the next few minutes you might actually become one. Not, not a Christian who just says, well, you know, I'm Christian, I'm an American, but, but someone who, who is a committed follower of Jesus Christ, where God does a heart transplant, takes your heart that's hard towards him, takes it out, and puts a soft heart uh, towards him in you. It can happen in a moment. So where do we start? Well, it's right here, actually, in verse 5 again. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That hard word to translate, that here translated gentleness, is often used of an attitude of kindness that someone demonstrates when retaliation is expected. It is someone who is willing to forgive. It is someone who is willing to extend mercy. Does that sound like anybody you might know? Does that not sound like the Lord Jesus Christ himself? That is his attitude towards sinners. That is his attitude towards selfish people who ignore God. Towards people who blaspheme his name. Who use his name as a curse word. It is Jesus' attitude towards people who trust only in themselves. Look at the cross and look, let his gentleness be known to all men. The crosses are everywhere, aren't they? They're everywhere. They're on people's necks, they're on people's shirts, they're on people's cars. 
his gentleness, his forbearance, his kindness, his non-retaliation is known to all men. And then the second half of the verse says, the Lord is at hand. That's what we're supposed to see when we see the cross. The Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus lived, Isaiah 53, 6 says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Meaning that every person in mankind turned is an important word in the Bible. Everyone in mankind has turned their back on God. Everyone. And how does one become a Christian? They turn to God. And they put their trust in Jesus. He says, everyone turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what happened at the cross. We turned away from God and as we turn to God, we see our sin laid on Jesus on the cross. The kindness of God is seen. He is at hand. And we look at the cross and we see a God who is ready to forgive We see a God who is ready to give mercy. We see a God who is ready to give eternal life. You say that's Old Testament. Well, let's go to the New Testament. The Gospel of John says this, John 3.36. He, it's he or she, who believes, that word is probably better understood by us to be trust. He who believes or trusts in the Son has everlasting life. If you trust in the Son, you will go to heaven. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. If you don't trust the Son, you will not go to heaven. Why? But, he says, the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God, don't think of somebody having a temper tantrum. When we think of the wrath of God, think of the punishment of God towards sin. If Jesus doesn't take the punishment for you, then you must take the punishment for yourself. But if you're willing to have the Son, if you're willing to believe in the Son, if you're willing to trust in the Son you will have the forgiveness of sins and you will have eternal life. So today, in the midst of your worry, in the midst of your anxiety, and maybe for some in the midst of your unbelief, of never trusting in Jesus, I plead with you. Today, I plead with you to stop delaying the decision. Come to the foot of the cross. Look up and see Jesus being punished for your sins in your place and put your trust in him. Come to the foot of the cross. Lay down your sins. Confess your sins. Admit to him as many people have before and I have many times in my life that I am the sheep who has gone astray, that I have turned my back to you. Even as a believer, I have done that. Lay down your sins at the cross and look at the Savior. Come to the cross, lay down your worries. Lay down your fears. Lay down your anxiety and put your trust 
in him and enter into the joyful presence of the Lord because the Lord is at hand for you today and for all eternity. Well, that concludes the teaching portion of today's broadcast of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Moores Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Join us next time as Pastor Jim continues teaching through the book of Philippians. You can learn more about Changed by Love and Pastor Jim by visiting our website. The web address is changedbyloveradio.com. Again, the web address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love exists because of the generous donations of our listeners, and we would like to ask all of our listeners who have never written us to preferably consider writing us today and let us know that you are listening to the broadcast. In fact, many of your letters are read to our congregation to encourage them in this ministry. You can write to us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You can also give us a call for more information, request resources, or for prayer at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. You can also send us an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. If you are in the Morris County, New Jersey area, we would love to have you visit us. We are located in the center of Morris County on Route 15 South. That's all for today. Until next time, God bless you, and our prayer is that you too would be changed by love.